Well, welcome to Breaking Geek, the Breaking Bad podcast from Geek Girl Soup. We record every Tuesday night, and we welcome your comments via email, geekgirlsoup at gmail.com, voicemail 503-447-6871, or on the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash geekgirlsoup. I'm Susan. I'm here with... Amelia. Chris. Kelly. Scott. And tonight, we'll just jump right into it because it was a great episode. Uh, episode 11, Season 5, called Confessions. It was written by Jennifer Hutchinson, directed by Michael Slovis. He's normally the cinematographer, but this was his fourth episode to direct. And also from the, the Breaking Bad Insider podcast, uh, Kelly Dixon, the editor, she said this was her favorite, uh, her favorite episode so far. She loved it. So, hey, if even she loved it, then... You have to love it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we all did. So, we certainly did. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with the opening. Amelia. It opens with Motormouth Todd in the diner um, with his uncle and um, the other guy who I can't remember if any of you want to throw out who that was um generic yeah. neo-nazi right yeah didn't tell us <laughs> yeah. His name. <laughs> thinking neo-nazi i didn't know if we uncle jack and neo-nazi <laughs> yes. bob and um <laughs> bob. yeah and, and and todd is just running off at the mouth about uh, everything about uh the train job not a sexual <laughs> reference just <laughs> the, uh, um conveniently leaving out the uh the killing of the kid um and and, do you think he left that out because he was worried about how that he'd be perceived by neo-nazis for killing a boy i think he was a white kid but you know i'm just wondering perception in general he's just leaving it out to leave it out and uh and by the way am i the only one who thinks that Todd looks like what would happen if Matt Damon hadn't been baked properly. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're not the only one. Okay. Up when we were watching it. Okay. <laughs> the slightly you... uglier Matt Damon. Actually, in my um, in the blog I wrote, I said he looks like what might have happened if someone tinkered with one of Matt Damon's chromosomes while he was in utero. So we're we're on the exact same page. Okay. <laughs> Good. Not just me. Gotcha. Um. Didn't this so, yeah, begin with the phone call that he made to... Yeah, it's like, well, why he, is he calling Walter? Why? Because he's, he's one of the Lost Boys. He, he looks up to Walter, obviously. He's like, during is the talk, he... he's, he's... During the talk with Uncle Jack, he's, he's extolling how perfect this job went. And I don't think it's just his part of it. He's He's talking about you know, all parts of it. And he, he obviously looks up to, um, Mr. White. He's the third son. I was trying to, to get what his angle was. I wasn't entirely sure, but you know, that makes sense. Walt has three boys, my three sons. (laughs) He's got a real son. He's got Jesse. And now he's got baby face, Matt Damon with a lost chromosome. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, that was uh, you know that was the open. That's um, 
their little conversation and then driving off into uh, New Mexico. Were they driving into New Mexico? I, yeah. 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 Bringing the methylamine back home. Who Driving plays, off into the sunset. Who's the actor who plays Uncle Jack? Didn't someone comment that he's been in something he pl- else? He played the character Pickett on the season three of Lost. Yeah. The guy who kept, oh. beating, guy kept beating the crap out of Sawyer for the Lost fans. Oh, okay, um, okay. I mean, he, he looks a lot different now, but it's the yeah. same actor. Okay, um, I will have to look that up. He, his character, I mean, he's he's doing an excellent job at playing this character because I tell you, I was scared, like actively frightened watching that opening scene. The way he would look at the waitress, I I, I kept expecting him to do something or say something. Um, in the bathroom, when he was wiping the blood off of his shoe, again, I kept expecting something and i i guess now i'm expecting since nothing happened now then maybe it's a hint or a build-up to what he will do at some point later i don't know i just found him really really frightening well i I discussed this opening with a few people today um each people came to me with it and they didn't really understand the point of the scene why was that in there because they didn't feel it connected to anything else in the episode and my point to them was well it's there for at least three reasons Number one is to show us that Todd is, you know, like she's like Amelia said, he's a motor mouth. He's not being discreet. He's calling and leaving a message about what happened on Walter White's voicemail. That's problem number one before you even get to the conversation in the diner. He shouldn't be doing that. He shouldn't be mentioning the, the drug dealer's name and there's a change in magic and all that stuff. That's, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Now, when he's telling the story, the great train robbery story, the thing I found interesting about that scene is watch the uncle in that scene. Watch him. He's listening to the story, but you can see he's kind of getting a little bit put off by it because, mm-hmm. like you guys just said, Todd admires Walter White. He leaves out the, the kid thing because he wants to make it clear this was a perfect crime. You mentioned the kid being killed. Suddenly it's not a perfect crime anymore. Mm-hmm. But, but, but you can see there's, an anno- you see there's a certain level of annoyance in the uncle's face and it's kind of reminiscent of when you watched Walter getting annoyed with the fact that his son admired Hank more mm-hmm. than he, more than him, it's or maybe... Hank admired Heisenberg, who he thought was Gale. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. There you go. Exactly. You, yeah. you, you, have, you have you have these threesome things like maybe that. part of the reason also why he's annoyed is because you know just the principle. You know, this kid shouldn't be talking. <laughs> you know, it's like why is he? Uh bragging about this. This is what gets people into trouble. Right, absolutely. And then when we see him wipe that blood off his foot, and then they're, then they're driving to New Mexico, and they've got the big tank of uh, methylamine behind them, which means they're bringing the drug-making business back to town, because it's been out of town all this time. What's key about this scene is this. Everyone's focused on Walt versus Hank, and what's going on with Jesse and Walt, but the big bad hasn't shown up yet. The, gu- the cold-blooded killers haven't come to town yet. There's another problem Walt's not aware of yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the point of showing this little scene in the beginning, is to remind us, oh, yeah, there's something really bad coming around the corner. And Walt, who apparently didn't check his voicemail, um, <laughs> yeah. doesn't know about it yet. Yeah. There's also the little thing of, uh, and, and this is tipping the hat to something that happens a little later in the episode, but... There's there's an an overture to this being over 
uh, made to the, our law enforcement buddies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clearly the production of Big Blue is about to gear up again um, right right under everybody's noses. So, yeah, like you said, we're, this is the thing that the M60 is for, I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> right. I wonder if it, if it could also give them an out when, and I'll, I'll share, you know, later when I'm reading Facebook comments, but uh, speculation about passing the buck about Heisenberg. I mean, I don't think that Uncle Jack and Todd can really pull that off, you know, like taking the blame for being Heisenberg, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, what happened next? Well, next we got what we can only hope is going to be a continuing trend for the remainder of the season. Um, we pick up right where we left off. That door opens and in comes Hank. <laughs> We're in the interrogation room where the first thing Hank does is turn off the, the, uh, the recorder mm-hmm. and uh, let Jesse know that he knows and offer a deal. He, this is that thing that uh, kept Hank from doing what he went to work to do, to give up uh, uh, the ghost on his unc- on his, uh, on his net on it. <laughs> Uncle, nephew, can I get it right? Brother-in-law, <laughs> uh, to give to give up the uh, to do what Marie had asked him to do, and basically come clean so that he doesn't get in any further trouble uh, when the shit truly goes down. But now he's got a new lease on life. Uh, a new factor has entered into the mix. Uh, Pinkman, who he knows is involved um is clearly not uh not in a a happy state of mind he's throwing millions away and so he wants to know uh if he'll help him out to which he gets the wonderful refrain eat me from mr pinkman so uh it was nice to see that jesse uh you know he's not a snitch (laughs) he's he's he, he had an opportunity to get back at Walt for all the things that he's seen him do that he feels is wrong. And uh, he's got loyalty there. And you know, when he when he said, are you going to beat it out of me? It was just amazing. <laughs> That's your thing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because he's obviously been on the, the receiving end of... Uh, Hank's interrogation skills in the past. Yes. <laughs> um, this uh, this gets broken up when good old Saul shows up and does his lawyer thing that he does so well, um, informing everybody. I love the way he sizes up this. Obviously, it's the writers, but like Saul is a real character to me now. He's a real person who comes in, sizes up the situation, and immediately dresses down everybody he possibly can in the most direct way. Yeah. <laughs> Tall and taller. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he just lays into everybody, and and you can see like Hank doesn't even say boo. He just starts waddling out of the room <laughs> as fast as his legs will take him because he knows he's done, and there's nothing more that can be done. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Rocky, keep up your left. <laughs> uh, I believe this leads right into a uh, phone call with uh, Walt, doesn't it? Where Walt is basically giving marching orders to use the money, get him out of there, do whatever it takes. Um, and uh, basically trying to smooth out the fact that, oh, there's nothing wrong with his wife again. Um, he is just the worst liar. <laughs> <laughs> for, for such a kingpin, it's great that Walt is still Walt. He's got all the, 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 the problems that he, he ever had. He's just gotten uh, good at a certain set of skills. And we've been along for the ride to see him improve in those things. We uh, end up with uh, Hank coming home and finding... Oh, wait, no, yeah. there's, uh, uh, there's the whole thing with uh, Junior. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, Junior comes home and wants to know uh, where Hank, uh, where Walt was. Um, and he's gotten a call from his Aunt Marie to come over and help with a computer problem, which immediately sends off alert, alert, red light warning signs in Walt's head. And he puts on some makeup and goes and does a little Hollywood on his own son. Which a lot of people have said is the, one of the most despicable acts he's done thus far. Yeah, I would agree. I wouldn't so much. I, it's weird because it's in the service of the original goal. Here's, here's the thing about Walt that I don't think people give him credit for when they're seeing him do evil things. He still got his eye on the prize. It's all for the same reason. I mean, he's destroyed lives, killed people, done really, really terrible things. And lying to his son in this way? Come on, next to letting Jane die or having ten people that he didn't know murdered? Yeah, when you compare it to that. Well, yeah. <laughs> my issue is, does he actually lie to his son? No. Because I didn't think he lied to him, which is why I don't see why people were making such a big deal about it. Yes, he's manipulating him, and and he's doing it out of Mm self-preservation, but he is telling him the truth. Yeah, I (laughs) I agree. He's not lying. He is manipulating. I understand why people are appalled by that, because they're like, you know, if he really loves his son, why would he manipulate him like this? But I, I do get it, and I don't think it's at all the worst he's done. And I thought, I, I can't remember right now what scene it was, but in an earlier season, there was something similar um, that, that he did that manipulated Junior in, in a similar way. Well, are not half-lives tr- lies or half-truths lies? Basically, he, he tells Junior, sit down, you need to, you should know what's going on. And then he proceeds <laughs> not to tell him what's right. going on. Right. I think that's the lie—the lie of omission. That's what people are are getting up on. Well, because that he was, omitted to say, "I'm—I've been making- I'm a drug dealer and all this yeah, crap is I'm going so, down." Uh, see, I don't. So I don't believe those those people are. But, but the whole point of a lot of this is that both Walt and his wife don't want their son to know about this. Yeah. So I don't right. see why they why suddenly it's a sin for him not to want to tell his son he's a drug dealing. Murderer. I, I, I fully understand that, but bear this in mind: when the truth outs, there's going to be one hurt kid here. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And He's an at this point in the game, it's a 
damn big possibility that the truth will out because we've got Marie trying to lure him over, and you think she wasn't going to dish the dirt to him? Oh, of course. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they are playing the most dangerous game right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we, and this is for our benefit as audience members watching the drama unfold before us, but if the scene were real, the likelihood they'd be able to keep this shit under wraps is so small that this seems like a big betrayal. But, like, you know, little did we know that Walt's a mastermind and has awesome things for us that'll come a little later in the, in the story. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll leave it till yeah. then. I've got a, a couple of things from the Insider podcast. Uh, when Junior was on the phone with Marie... There's, there's a line that he says, I don't know, can you hear it or not? Maybe barely hear it. Uh, but, you know, she says she's having computer problems. And then uh, he asks her, did you try turning it off and then on again? <laughs> 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 and then also in the, in the stage directions written on the script, when Walter is talking to Junior, uh, what sort of fuckery is this? <laughs> <laughs> So. What sort of fuckery is this? Yes. Wow. That's, That's funny. <laughs> so, yeah. What's that in relation to? In relation to uh, Walter manipulating his son. Ah. Yeah, you know, he does what he needs to do. That's part of the reason I like him. I mean, he's no bullshit. He's the double-tapping genius. <laughs> he's not going to leave the body to get up in the, in the, in the third act and, you know, attack you again. No, he's going to tap you twice in the head just to make sure <laughs> uh, so this heads on over to Hank's abode where he gets home and um, Marie finds out that her wishes are not being served and uh, when you do not serve Marie's wishes properly things are not happy uh, <laughs> we get a little of the uh, marital strife there as uh, Hank lays it on the line that he was wasn't able to to get that done and uh let her let him do the job the way he wants to do the job and uh then we get this weird scene where it seems like hank i'm um, walt is going to uh actually do a video confession um He's sitting on the bed and and Skyler is behind the camera and she says are you sure you want to do this? And he says, this is the only way. And that's the end of scene one. Well, and we, after the commercial, we come back, we see, uh, Walt and Skylar at a Mexican restaurant. They're at, uh, Garduno's. They're famous for their tableside guacamole waiting for Hank and Marie. I guess they invited them there to talk. Maybe they could work something out, but at this point, it's just not good. <laughs> uh, Walt has nothing to confess. Skylar is just kind of sitting there, going along with it, barely looking at Hank and Marie. Hank is the angry super cop. Marie, she stresses how important it is for the kids to come live with them, and she's calling the um, she's calling him Flynn. Walt is calling his son Walter Jr. And then after the after the waiter brings the water, you know he notices that he notices how tense it is there at the table, and then things really just get 
terrible. That's when, um, you mean good? Well, yeah, good for us, but terrible for the, for the, the families. Um, <laughs> because I mean, this, this really is the end of the, the, um, the white and Schrader, you know, family relationship right there at that table. And you can also, in the, in the way that they're dressed, because Walt and Skylar are wearing beige. Hank and Marie are dressed in dark purple, black. It, it, it's kind of weird because, like, in some light, Marie's dress is purple and some it's black. So whatever. So <laughs> I thought it was also interesting that Skylar has a turtleneck on and Walt has the jacket and is all covered up. So to me, it was symbolic of they're not talking. You know, they are uh-huh. um, covered up, closed off, hiding stuff. Skylar's turtleneck covering her throat. So, you know, communication and speaking and just mm-hmm. not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Cleavage just not going to happen. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> so, um, but at one point, Scholar says, well, yeah, that's in the past. So, I mean, is that kind of an admission of guilt there, saying that it's in the past? You know, saying that it Tiny did? Bit. Well, yeah. that's mm-hmm. when Walt tried to get her to shut up, shut up, shut up. Right, right. <laughs> but she wanted to make it clear to them that, hey, things are done. Whatever you're trying to uh, get him for that ain't happening now. And this is a whole new, mm-hmm. uh, we're in a whole new world. Yeah. She's, she's trying to paint the rosy picture picture of, um, we're beyond this. And so Marie's idea, well, Walt, why don't you just go kill yourself? You know, she, she has yeah. decided that's the best solution. Well, she got right to the point where like, they're saying he's dying and right basically when he's dead there's nothing to do so she's like well why don't we just speed that process up yeah yeah and of course you know hank wants him to take responsibility and pay for this go to jail face up to what he's done yeah hank wants none of that yeah yeah he's he's like that was too good for him Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he would like a, a, a stockade with a rotten fruit, I think. He's thinking <laughs> he's going medieval, literally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's where he he's his brain is at at this point. Well, yeah, he was he was completely betrayed. And everybody was completely betrayed. And, yeah. But I I'm wondering if they're just not taking the right tactic here. They who? Uh the whites. Okay. Uh, as far as how they approached um, the disclosure. Because we, we discussed before we got what came down, and what came down is beautiful, and I wouldn't change a word of it. But there are, there are the what-ifs that float around in my head, and that's what the show has always been. It's been full mm-hmm. of what-ifs for me. It's like, what if Walt had just told Skylar long ago that he was doing all this? I mean, yeah, she wouldn't have approved, but... Like, he's doing it for a reason, and he feels it's the only way, and at least it gives her some agency, and she can decide at that point which way she wants to go. What if... The way everybody sees it, Walt is a monster. And 
Now, truth be told, Walt is a monster, and I still have trouble reconciling that in my brain. I guess that's that's what's coming down to. I mean, yeah, he had people killed. They were very bad people. <laughs> you know, but like he had people killed in order to keep them from spilling the beans on him. Um, I I would say that Walt isn't necessarily a monster, but it, it's definitely myopic in how he views things. I mean, they all are, which is understandable. I mean, when we consider anything in our own lives. You know, how big of a perspective do we really have when we're emotionally invested in mm-hmm. something, you know? Um, you could say the same thing about Hank and Marie um, wanting either Walt to go ahead and die or go to prison forever and the repercussions of what that would do to the kids. Now, does that mean he doesn't deserve to be punished? You know, I'm not saying that, but... Um, and then, you know, Walt and Skyler, of course, are being really myopic right now. And maybe things would have been a little bit different if they had truly come clean to Hank and Marie when they were found out right. and acted, you know, with some contrition and apology. I'm not saying it would have helped at all. And that would have set them up, you know, for more danger and to get even in more trouble. But just pointing out that sometimes when we feel betrayed, all we really want, or at first, all we really want is a recognition how betrayed we are or how betrayed we feel and why. You know, to have the other person fall to their knees and say, yeah, I fucked up, I fucked you, and I'm sorry. And they, they, they're skipping all of that. So Hank and Marie are sitting there being played for fools is how they must be feeling in part. Yeah. 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 There's also that wonderful scene back when Hank... Ha- thought he had his man like mm-hmm. he had the 10 guys behind oh, behind yeah. bars and he was like you know if i can't get it out of you there's nine other little birds that i can go and visit with the same deal so uh, he basically thought he had this thing wrapped up and then he was outwitted in the yeah. most brutal way possible and that was the point where he's like what kind of a person could do that that's when like the monster that's the monster thing it's like what kind of a monstrous fuck (laughs) kills 10 people in two minutes and just to care just to cover his tracks it's like i'm dealing with something beyond reason and only to find out he's dealing with his brother-in-law yeah yeah well as walt and skylar walk out they leave a dvd and this is the confession. Bum, bum, bum. Exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> now, what did you think was on that thing when they left it? <laughs> I want to go around the horn. Did people really think? Because I, I, I thought it was a confession. Yeah. I had no idea it was going to be what it was. Exactly. I was blown away. My jaw fell to the floor. And like, you know, five different times I said, fuck. <laughs> yeah, we were. That's yeah. all I could say. <laughs> there were, yeah, we were. Um, for us, we were. We were chatting when it when it was on, and there was lots of fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> That's all that there was in there, the chat. There, there may have been one. Oh shit! But yeah, <laughs> nobody, nobody saw this coming, which made it even more brilliant than it already was. Yes. Oh my god! The the most. Has, has anyone here? Con- 
Yeah. I'm sorry. Has anyone here read or heard of someone who re legitimately really did see it coming? Well, Samuel L. Jackson in the talking bad claimed that he did, but I, I oh, don't know. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't buy that for a minute when yeah. he said that. Like, no, you didn't. If you, if you were that smart, you wouldn't have done half the movies you've done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, even with, in, in, the, in the Insider podcast, Kelly Dixon, who does the editing, she didn't see it coming. Okay? Uh, <laughs> she, she's cutting it together. Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Here? Wow. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> so, Susan, we started talking about our reaction to it before you actually said what's in it. Of course, anyone it's, listening to this should already know. Everyone but knows what's it. in it. Yes. It was, wasn't it the MTV Music Awards thing? <laughs> yes, it was Miley Cyrus and <laughs> what's his name, Robin Robin Thicke. Um, oh. Yeah, twerking. I yes. learned a new word today. <laughs> what the fuck? Today. Or this I have week. never said that word, and I never will. You can't make me <laughs> <laughs> say it, Kelly. Say it. Got a gun to your head. <laughs> I'm actually I like, sad that that's a thing. Working? It makes me sad that that's a thing that people know about. Yeah. <laughs> It, yes. It just makes me sad there's a word for it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, so in yeah. the confession, Chris, I immediately thought of you because, you know, he brings up the ride along. You've been saying that all along, that Hank put it in his, uh, in his head with the ride along. These writers are beautiful. I love them to death. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. You get your, your gold star for the night. Um, so, and I'm just glad they didn't forget anything. Yeah, it's like, this has been yeah. burning a hole in my mind. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, he's the fucking architect of all this, and now, Walt fucking tells him, hey Hank, you're the fucking fantastic. Yeah, Hank's this. DEA connections with Gus, and <laughs> then the the distribution network. I don't know. They had a falling out, and so there was then that failed hit on on Hank. On Hank. Yeah, and then he forced Walt to pay the bills, and forced Walt to build the bomb that killed Gus and Hector. And Walt's afraid of him killing him. He gave him me this. Yeah. Well, first he took his children for three months. Right. Oh my gosh. And and then you know he he's he's very kind and says, Skyler, my wife had no idea. <laughs> really? So. So, Chris, should we go back for a moment to something you said uh, when you were talking about the, the earlier scenes that um, Walt is a bad liar? Yeah, he's a bad liar. He's not a bad actor. Okay. He's <laughs> a bad actor. in front of him, and he's perfect. Apparently. Yes. So, what, what I'd like to amend to that about his being a bad liar is that he is a bad liar to people that he is close to or cares about. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I agree. He's not a spontaneous liar. If uh, he yeah. has a time to, to script something. Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to mildly, very mildly disagree. Um, oh? I think over the course of the, the series, he's actually, be, for the most part, he's actually become a very skilled and manipulative liar. Whereas he wasn't maybe early on. The only person he always seemed to have problems lying to convincingly tends to be Skyler. And in this very episode, that's what happened. Yeah. But when he, yeah. when he lays the trip on Jesse, either, either it be this episode 
or in the first uh, first half of the season when he basically gets Jesse to break up with his girlfriend and all these mm-hmm. other. He's pretty good. He's pretty convincing. He's, he's well pretty as, good. He's very good. Skyler is his kryptonite. Yes, Skyler is the one person he's never really been a convincing liar with because those first two seasons, his lying is awful. No yeah. wonder she's always suspecting there's something going on and getting so angry with him because he's such a bad liar then. That's why you yeah. say Skyler's a better liar than he is. Yeah, but at this and still point, now we'll get that. I'll get to that later in the in the last part. Yeah, but yeah. but at this point, he's become pretty good, and this this videotape is amazing. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and <laughs> I had to, I had to watch it again a couple more times today. Just you know that scene, because after seeing the one with the video music awards, you know. Oh, in there, Lord. and then it's like, okay, wait a minute, we have to get serious about this. <laughs> and then there's some other one, so yeah. There's brilliant it shooting as amazing. well, like the the close-ups on the screen, and then and you see Walt all pixelated and discolored, and then the close-up on Hank, and just the the incredulity and anger boiling and seething within him. It's it, I, that was amazing. And amazing filmmaking. One, one more thing about the confession tape. He, he at, Towards the end, he said uh, he wants people to see this man for what he really is. Yeah. I know he's, he's talking about Hank, but I was thinking about Walt, to see Walt for who he really is, for what he oh. really is. Anybody oh. think back to the first confession tape he did? Oh, yeah. It's going to start the same way. Yeah. I, I made I made mention of that. It's the confession is a callback to his very first confession that that one was a selfie. Yeah. But uh, what's awesome about this confession is once you hear everything he says, when he lines it up, everything from the ride along to the death of Gus Fring and beyond, the lie is more plausible than the truth. That's yeah. the beauty. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. That's yes. what makes it amazing. It's much. Yes. It's so much more believable that Hank would be behind this because of the DEA connections and 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 all the other factors, as opposed to this chemistry teacher suddenly became a drug kingpin, which sounds ridiculous if you just tell someone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. oh, we actually get an example of it when Hank finds out about the money being spent on his on his right. recovery. Right. So Marie and, has to confess about that. But like the the. Marie didn't quite get how damning that is. <laughs> the fact right. that, and when she's like, well, he told me it was gambling money. <laughs> and it's like, looking back on it, that makes zero sense. But in the heat of the moment, when she was in that stressful, desperate time, it made perfect sense to her. And that story, yeah. that story sung. It was exactly what she needed. It was the magic bullet story. And she had but no now, reason not to believe it. If that story gets told to anybody else, it makes them look like they're lying even more. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. they told me the money came from gambling. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. What, what, is it? what is it that Hanks? What is it that Hank says, Susan? It's, this is like the last nail in yes, the coffin. Yes, the last yeah. nail in the coffin. Exactly. Yeah. Because... I'm sorry. I was just because right now, everything else would have just been one person's word against the other, even though it makes more sense that it would be mm-hmm. Hank. 
Yeah. But this is the money trail. This is the nail in the coffin. Because who's going to believe that they took clo- almost $200,000 to cover your medical expenses and not know where it came from? Yeah. How is that even remotely plausible? Because it's not. Gambling? And the, who, wouldn't someone question that? That's a, yeah. that's a lot. Have you been watching too many movies? No one wins that much money from gambling <laughs> unless they're on ESPN2 in the middle of the night or something. So, yeah. Anyway. Before, just real uh-huh. quick, I was just going to contrast it with the first, um, his confessional, selfie confessional tape in the, in the pilot. He, a difference there, though, is he did say this is not a confession. Oh, and right. in the, so he said, name, address, this is not a confession. This is to my family. Okay. I'm speaking now so to my family. Yeah. Hank Jr., you're my big man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, then the last scene of this act, we've got Saul and Jesse waiting for Walt in the desert. And we, we see a tarantula. <laughs> it's always oh, a desert. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. And Jesse's still kind of catatonic. Uh, when Walt gets there, checks the car. Uh, then uh, we have more fuckery with um, <laughs> Walt talking to, to Jesse, wanting to help him, uh, suggests, you know, he should get out of town, start a new life. <laughs> you know, have some kids. Saul knows somebody, he could help you. <laughs> That's a job that you like. And yeah, Jesse has. His, his he he knows now, you know he's not listening to Walt's bullshit anymore. So he's actually got Popeye eye. Popeye eye. Yeah, if you look at Jesse in the scene, he's like doing the Popeye squint. One eye is really big, and the other one's a dot. <laughs> <laughs> he's just looking at him incredulously. <laughs> Could you like for eight seconds not play me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That- I also I, love what Walt says to uh, to Saul. Take a walk. Take a walk. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the desert. I think walks ten walk. feet away. Yeah. I think this is. I think this is one of the two little payoff scenes I've been waiting for for the entire series. Oh, yeah. When he when he says, "Would you for once stop working me?" Yeah. It's showing that so he's sad. aware and he knows that he that Walt's been manipulating him at every turn, especially. Over the, la- over the last couple of seasons. So it's great to see that Jesse's out of his catatonic state and fully aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, not quite fully yet. Yes, I know. Uh, he's aware, but he's not totally almost. awake because that's going to happen later in the episode. Yeah. That's your part. He <laughs> <laughs> basically says that, like, will you just tell me that you don't care about me? And... Walt plays the final hug card, man. Yeah. The big old hug. It's like, of course, Jesse, I care about you. But it still wasn't sincere. No, but I don't believe it was. No, I don't believe it. Are you guys? I think that's a debatable point. I know most people are saying it it was the last masterstroke manipulation because it didn't work before, but doing that. No. I'm torn on that. I do believe he, he, he loves Jesse. I and he's that. done a lot of stuff for Jesse. That whole point where he put Jesse through rehab, when he cleaned him up and, and took him in, that whole thing, like, he didn't need to do any of that. 
I think he is still loyal to some degree to Jesse. I think he views Jesse as family the same way he views Hank as family. You know, Hank cannot be sent to Belize, nor can Jesse, because they are, quote, family. And it's this, I think, it's this weird sense of loyalty and integrity Mm -hmm. that Walt has. And and that, to me, is one of the most heartbreaking parts of the show is to, you know, when you think back to season one, when Walt and Jesse were, you know, got to the point where they actually were liking each other and having fun and their time in the desert and the bonding. And the, I don't think that was fun the, in the desert. They were almost no, dying. No, not that. Okay, I know, but there were other times. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> and then the times with, maybe it was season two that they, they got to know each other. You know, again, since I binge watched, it's hard to remember which season was what. Um <laughs> And then, you know, the scenes of the family, Hank and Marie, hanging out at their... I mean, even, you know, the last episode a year ago, right before Hank went to the bathroom, they were all, you know, lovey-dovey and having fun. And it's just so sad to to realize how it's all gone. And yet, Walt still holds them as family. Yep. So, yeah, he's he's manipulating the hell out of them, obviously. But um, he could... It would be easier to have Jesse killed. We've seen him do it to his own son in his in this very episode. So how could he not do it to his fake son? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I actually I actually teared up during that scene because I I I found it that effective. And to me, it was like it's like oh yeah, there's another guy who's in the running for the uh, best supporting actor Emmy on this show. Oh my god, yes. Talking about Dean Norris, I was like, hey, don't forget the guy who's done it a couple times. Oh my god, is he good? Yeah, (laughs) he was. Fucking amazing. And happy birthday today, Aaron Paul. Yes. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> By the time this airs, it won't be his birthday anymore, but when we're recording it, it is. Yeah. He was it it was just amazing. Yeah. And and the hug, the way Jesse reacted or the way Aaron Paul acted it, I mean, he was he turned to jello. He did. If it weren't for Walt holding him up, he would have fallen to his knees. Mm-hmm. And I I loved that. I mean, just the weight of the past, you know, show year on him. Um, we just saw in the, in those seconds that it was too much for him to bear anymore. And um, yeah, it was just brilliant acting. Yeah, I will say this about that scene. I found it very reminiscent of a scene from Goodwill Hunting. This is going to be really weird. There's a scene in Goodwill Hunting where Matt. Yes, Robin Williams, Matt Damon. And Matt Damon breaks down. Robin Williams hugs him, and he's telling him it's not his fault, and Matt Damon breaks down. And up until that point in the movie, I did not like Matt Damon. I didn't find him believable. And then I saw that scene, and I was like, okay, he's got me on his side now. Until Sunday night when I saw the scene between Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. And... Then I was like, you know what, Matt Damon? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Wow. You don't get it. You don't oh. get it. You need to watch Aaron Paul. And I, I like Matt Damon. I didn't always like Matt Damon. I do like him now. Um, but it was at this point that I really thought, no, no. Um, Aaron Paul's it. Aaron, Aaron Paul gets it. Aaron Paul is just masterful in that scene. All right, so Scott, what happened next? Well, we, we go back to the car wash, 
Um, Walt wishes another customer an A one day. And then he goes to check on Skylar because, you know, he has to go out for chemo and he needs someone to watch the register. And Skylar is again in one of her little catatonic trances. Um, I'm thinking between her and Jesse, I don't know who ends up with more moments where they're just sitting there not saying anything. They, you know, I like to add them all up together and see how much they get paid by the word. The thing I, the thing that struck me about the scene also is I'm a big movie guy, especially, you know, film noir is amazing. And the way the, sh- the scene is shot, the, the use of shadows, when she turns to Walt, her face is split in half, light and dark. But Walt remains totally in shadow during the entire scene. And anyone who, you know, film language, you're showing one person's divided, you know, between light and dark, good and bad, however you want to phrase it. And the person who's entirely in shadow, well, well they're not divided. They're, they're totally over on the dark side. And I thought, oh, that's really He's nice. whispering sweet nothings from the darkness. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> We're going to get away with it. See, and that's what happens when the cinematographer directs the episode. It's cool. Right, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, one of the things that, uh, the reason for the catatonia, uh, the, for the catatonia, <laughs> for, Tony, yeah. for the catatonic state, the reason for the catatonic state is, isn't this the first time Skylar has truly seen Walt operate on a level so despicable? Yeah. Like personally, like seen it. She, she, like, like, she recorded the video. Yeah, like this is the first right. time she's been complicit completely in his evil doings. Right, exactly. I mean, that's why she's like that during the first half of the dinner sequence earlier on in the episode. Where she's the one who's not saying anything for a while until Marie starts bringing up the kids and then, then it breaks her out of it. Because right. she's now be actually, for the first time, beheld the horror of what Walt can do. Mm-hmm. It's not just Walt threatening. It's not just Walt saying, I am the danger. It's, okay, now I've seen what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And it, like Susan said earlier, that dinner signified the end, pretty much the end of the Whites and Schraders being a family unit anymore. She's also, I think, coming to grips with that because it's not her sister. It's her sister. So this is, this is a blood link that she's severing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she, she's kind of screwed up right now. What comes next? So after that, Speaking of people in weird states of mind, we have Hank back at the office at the DEA. He's like rifling through like boring pieces of paperwork. You know, they're like manifests and different kind of things. Um, but Gomez comes in. Gomi wants to know why does he have a couple of his guys trailing Pinkman? Why are they sitting on him outside uh, Saul's office? Hank's not going to tell him why. So Gomi starts getting pissed off. It's like he knows he's being kept out of the loop on something. He knows he's keeping something from him. Hank doesn't want to deal with it. He just says, you know what? He just can't he just kills a surveillance order. And he decides then to just take a walk. Secretary tries to stop him, saying, Yeah, you got a meeting at three o'clock. Like, you know, cancel, don't care. I'm assuming Hank's gonna go sit on a bar stool somewhere. I wasn't sure, but he's just as screwed as screwed can be. We then go to Saul's office, and we realize that Jesse is actually, he's moving forward with the plan. So apparently that hug, be it sincere or manipulative, worked. So, so Saul makes the call, he's the whole vacuum cleaner part thing, whatever. And while he's doing, as he gets off the phone, Jesse decides to light one up. Which Saul freaks out, 
you know, you know, you can't get high. This guy, he won't, he won't take you if you're high. You know, he makes him put out his marijuana cigarette, whatever. He asks for the dope, but Jesse doesn't give it to him. He just pockets it. And that's when I think Saul has a line where it's, you know, some people are immune to good advice, which mm-hmm. I, thought was a, I thought that was a great line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at this point, he, you know, he, he puts together a care package of cash for him. He gives him the Hello Kitty phone that we saw in the desk drawer. You know, a couple episodes ago. <laughs> I love that Jesse reacted to it. You know, hello, Kitty? Seriously? <laughs> you know, hey, um, it's, a free, it's a free phone. <laughs> but he makes the point of going out to get the bag. Mm-hmm. Right. And then coming right, right. back in. <laughs> right, right, right. Because, he need, yeah, he needs a bag for the cash. And then we realize a little later that was also for him to say a little something to Huel. Because as Jesse tries to get past the rather huge Huel in the doorway. <laughs> if you watch the scene closely, you see Huel lifts the pot out of his pocket. I didn't catch that the first time, but I watched it the second time. I did see it. He's a so, smooth operator for such a big old man. Yeah, he's not. He's not the girl. He's not the world's greatest greatest bodyguard, but he no. can he can pick a pocket. <laughs> and then make it look like it's your fault. Excuse me. <laughs> So then we cut to Jesse, and he's waiting to be picked up. He's got his bag at his side. Um, the background, and I, I actually looked up where this was, and now I've totally forgotten it, which is so convenient for the podcast. Oh, actually, our... Um, Peter answered that. Peter, yeah. Peter, our, our source in the ABQ, said it's a dam in the Northeast Heights in Albuquerque, right where Saul said Osuna and Juan Tabo. He drives by there a lot. <laughs> Excellent. Because it's the reason why they pick a site like that is because, metaphorically speaking, or just visually, it looks like he's standing in front of all these giant tombstones. And so it's, it's a very striking image. So you realize Jesse's minutes away from starting a new life. So, of course, he's going to, because he's immune to good advice, he's going to light one up anyway. So you see him reaching in his pocket, and something's not there. You know, he, he you know he takes a, he starts rifling through his pockets, looking on the ground. You know, he's got his cigarettes in his hand. That was in one pocket, but he can't find the pot. And then he looks at the pack of cigarettes, and then a little epiphany hits him. Mm. And as we're watching, we're slowly coming to realize what he's realizing. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a second. If they I've had the- something go missing on me before. <laughs> like this. And the music is building like a ticking bomb here. It's like what what what's what's gonna happen? The van shows up and Jesse doesn't get in the van. He takes a walk back because he's got something he still needs to tend to back in New Mexico. Now I got a question. Do we see he'll do the pickpocketing previously? Yeah. The oh you mean Not back in this season episode. four? Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't think we ever actually saw it in season four. No. So that was just like a an excuse that they came. Like, when did well, we find out Huel had done it? Was the one who had done it? I think we we heard uh, Saul talking to Walter about it. I think that's probably when we found out. I, I'm not sure when exactly. Hmm. Maybe early season five. Yeah there, was, yeah, there was a conversation between Saul and um, Walt 
where Saul actually says at that point that he was he wouldn't have gone along with it if he had known that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's never expressly said that you'll pickpocket him, but you know you don't need to fill in every last detail. You know, basically Saul had some played some part in it. Okay, okay. I was just because I, I was wondering if I had heard it on a podcast because I knew Huel had pickpocketed the cigarette, but I think I knew that through external information, right. not like directly from the show. That's right. what I was getting at. And it was interesting because I know upon a first viewing, there were several people who watched this episode who got a little confused. We're trying to figure out just what is it that Jesse's figured out. Um, obviously, in the next deck, uh, Kelly will tell us about that. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I even had a friend who called me later that night. He got he got a little confused because he thought the cigarettes had been placed in his pocket. And he's like, "Wait, are those the same cigarettes from before?" I was like, "No, no, no. He only got pickpocketed. The cigarette. He has the cigarettes in his hand, and it reminds him. That's all." I'm like, ah, oh. so I convinced my friend not to get angry with the show. but like the show does require like lots of study and lots of attention be paid Mm -hmm. like and it doesn't necessarily walk you though this is the closest they kind of came to shy of the actually showing you the flashback of the ww in that toilet scene Um, this would be the closest to like walking you down the road they've done right as far as I mean, something from the past because he's making because he's making all these connections mm-hmm. and you you're going to need the character to basically tell us it's one of those things you've got to tell us what you're thinking because otherwise the audience is going to be confused like wait a minute how does he know that what is it that what is it he knows so on and so forth which is what the final act is all about well, let's just let's just jump to that part real quick. That what Jesse says that he knows, if that's right, and then we can go back and, yeah. and finish up there um, since they fit together perfectly. Um, I love the way uh, Aaron Paul delivered these lines, or you know how Jesse got spatted out when he was in Saul's office. Goes in, beats him up. Saul pulls out the gun. Jesse takes it, and he's holding everyone at bay. And he asked about them stealing the, the rice and cigarette. He asked about them, yes, stealing his, his cigarettes. And Saul said, yeah, you, I, I didn't write down exactly what he said. I didn't write his lines down. But he admitted that, yes, Huel stole his pot. And just, he, he was so beside himself with the, this realization, this awakening, and this sense of betrayal that he couldn't even make complete sentences at first. He said, no, before the cigarette, the ricin cigarette, you had Huel steal it off of me and all for that asshole Mr. White. Notice he's still calling him Mr. White. Mm-hmm. Not Walt, not what I just, just that asshole Mr. White. He poisoned Brock. He poisoned Brock and you helped him do it. His delivery was much better than mine. But so, yeah, back to you were saying... Scott, when he was standing outside of the dam waiting to get picked up, looking at the package of cigarettes made him put all of that together. And he realized that Huel, under Saul's orders, under Mr. White's orders, had stolen that one cigarette 
before, before Brock got poisoned. Is there anything we need to finish up? Yeah, I just wanted to throw that in so we didn't have to keep skirting around when Kelly tells us about blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well yeah. you're, you're doing it now, so you should just keep going. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, so Saul's answer to that was, he told me, Mr. White, you know, Walt, he told me he was helping you. He was saving you. And he had that accent on the word saving, which really stuck out to me. I mean, it just, it, it stuck in my head, that word saving and the way he said it. Um, so something that, that I think we have yet to find out. Well, a couple of things. So, yes, Jesse is now more aware, more awake, but we don't know if he, you know, he's, so he's awake about Brock, but he still doesn't know about Jane. And, you know, there, he's, he's still not fully awake about everything. And even with the Brock thing, um, I'm assuming that he has figured out that Walt really did poison Brock with the Lily of the Valley. Um, but there is still that little piece there. You know, he wasn't poisoned with rice and it was Lily of the Valley. So, and that just make, I, I'm fine if, if he never, you know, if we never hear any more about that, that's okay. Um, Okay, so after that, Saul calls Walt, tells him, yeah, we have a problem. Or you have a problem. I forget what you said. And then we cut to Skylar in the car wash. And um, I thought this was really interesting. You know, she accidentally gave, when she was making change for customers, she accidentally gave him a $5 bill instead of a one. And the customer pointed it out to her immediately and handed it back. And she acted flustered with herself for making that mistake and said, thank you for your honesty. Mm-hmm. And the, the camera uh, had an interesting angle. You know, it shifts over, and Skylar's now on the right side of the screen, so we can look out the door. And here comes Walt screeching up in his car and running to the door and then pausing ever so briefly to catch his breath before coming in. Ah, and then sort of nonchalantly comes in and starts working Skylar. Charlie Thank Chaplin. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, makes up this crap about, you know, I noticed last week the soda machine. It's it's not latching. It's catching. And <laughs> she knows he's lying. Yeah. She's just, Because every time he acts like that, every time he explains something to her, he's lying. Over-explains. <laughs> yes. Yes. And she knows it. But right now she is so, this is my impression, is so upset by everything else that's happening with losing her family, Marie and Hank, um, that she's not even going to bother with him lying. It's like, fuck, go do whatever. Who cares? So he goes and opens up the soda machine and, and we see him with a frozen gun that is loaded in there. And uh, nonchalantly comes back and makes up some lie about needing to go pick up a prescription. Um, I also thought that the, the awful Muzak playing in the background was a nice touch. <laughs> the car wash. Um, so that's the last that we saw of Walt at this point. He heads out with his gun. And now we cut to Jesse, who is in Saul's car, screeching up to Walt's house. I loved the shot with the camera attached to the gas can or mm-hmm. vice versa. Um, up at Jesse, and so the camera's moving and you know, um, in sync with the gas can as he goes into uh, Walt's house with this you know, gasoline, and and Jesse is growling, 
like an animal as he's throwing gasoline all around the front uh, inside of Walt's house. And, uh, and we cut, that was the end. Um, I and did go back. First... Go ahead. No, go ahead. no. I went back and, and rewatched, well, I rewatched the whole thing a few times, but, um, I did not see another car parked out front, just the trash cans. Um, so there shouldn't be anyone home right now, including Walt Jr. This car wasn't out there because there are people talking online about is Walt Jr. home? Is he going to come out and find Jesse, whatever? And um, people were noticing that in the flash forward scene in episode nine in Blood Money, um, the interior of the house did not appear to be burned. Yeah. I think I know what happens. We'll see next week if it does. Yeah. Yeah, there's at least two or three different possibilities there. Yeah, isn't it interesting? They have they have a two car garage, but they never put their cars in the garage. No, never. Oh, a lot of people do that. They use their garage for storage and not storage. for okay. car storage, but for right, right stuff. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> do that. That's well, it exactly probably doesn't how really. Police works. It probably doesn't really rain much in Albuquerque either, does it? So. Doesn't rain yeah, much in California either. Oh yeah, right, yeah. I've never seen. You know, I've never seen. I don't recall ever, them ever using the garage for it anyway. So that's what. Use the garage think. to store pizzas. Right. Pizza. That's what the garage roof is for. Yeah. Yeah. Pizza roof. Yay. Yeah. Oh, I, I just want to get this out there since uh, you were talk, talking about one of my favorite scenes that broke my heart in a totally different way. Um, I. I'm a huge, huge, huge Bob Odenkirk fan, as you might recall in a previous discussion. And talk about someone who I kept hoping would get some sort of award recognition from somebody, whether it be guest actor or supporting actor, whatever. Him seeing him getting beaten up yeah. really was weird, and it was, and it made me think of some Mr. Show sketches where he's actually all beaten and bloody. But here it was like, oh, oh my God. Don't don't beat up Saul. Saul's the one guy I don't want to see anything happen to on the show. Yeah, because so, he, he's so fucking good. Yeah. Anyway, but he's so, so just, bad at hiring people. <laughs> well, he doesn't. Yeah, he's. <laughs> and if, if it makes you feel any better, in the the inside Breaking Bad thing, it, it said uh, he said, "I'm in SAG. I don't take a punch." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, what's his name? He went totally Goodfellas on him. He was like, he's kicking. I was like, oh no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. He's going to get blood on the Wayfarer ribbon. Don't do that. <laughs> I immediately thought when the uh, gas was being tossed away around, where's the baby? What do they do for daycare? Well, she's have in they daycare. ever addressed that? They well, yeah. probably just need a daycare service. Yeah. I know, but like they never have established that. But well, why hard. do they have to? Right. I'm just saying. No, don't <laughs> even go there. We yeah, did do not have to explain what a woman is doing with her baby when she's <laughs> off at work. Daycare exists. I, Child I, is in fucking daycare. I'm okay? just saying, as a viewer I, of the show, that's where my went yeah. when that scene occurred. I'm really not saying, happened? damn it, she should be taking home care of the baby. <laughs> this is not a. Uh, <laughs> this is not an indictment. Yeah, but they're not supposed to have enough money, like, for a private nanny. They have enough money for a sports car. Well, I know, but... Uh, just... you're, 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 you're trying to explain too much. Just, she's in 
He's in daycare. She's in daycare. Not you. Not you. This is not a daycare. I'm just saying, I was wondering where the kid was. When you think about it, though, this is like the one show that actually has characters who go to the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, this is true. So wouldn't they explain where the baby is? We know where poop comes from. Uh, does that really bother people that oh. we don't know the name of the daycare that she goes to? Because or that we've Skyler never seen her being dropped at, off at daycare? Yeah, it, it, Skyler's been working at the car wash all this time. The kid's in daycare. Mm-hmm. So, and if okay. it was mentioned in another episode and one, two, or all of us just didn't pay attention because it's only merited a sentence, I don't know why it's worth making... It, it just struck me that it's weird because, like... I. Every faucet of... Here's the thing about this show. It makes sense. Almost everything in this show makes sense. And I appreciate that so, so much. And I won't even mention the name of that other show that just makes no fucking sense all the time. But, like, it continued to do so this week. And I appreciate the fact that this show makes so much sense that I can almost map out where things are in the town and where people how people relate to each other. And so when there's little things like Flynn's Walt slash Walt Jr.'s presence in the show and where he is and what he's up to during specific scenes and whatnot, or the baby's presence in the show and, you know, where she's at or how, how she operates. It's only due to the fact that the show is so detailed that, such a thought would even come up. That's right. all. I had that thought watching this episode. It occurred to me, where's the baby? What's going on with the baby? And for a show that, like you said, for a show that is so completely detailed, down to the, the wherever it is that Jesse was, that I, Saul said where it was, and whoever it was on Facebook confirmed it's exactly where that place is. For a show that is so detailed... Why not something so obvious like that? Why not provide those details? It's not really necessary. Except that now we're asking about it, but it's not really... It's fine. It's fine. I, I'm sorry to have bogged down our the end of our our wonderful episode, which was so full of drama and height with where's the fucking baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Chris, I say to you, what fuckery is this? <laughs> Actually, you know, this is how Chris's mind works. Sorry. Yeah. Well, nothing was easy about this episode. This episode yeah. fucking rocked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Kelly, we had some Facebook comments. Yes, we had lots of comments of woe, wow, shit, and speechless. Um, (laughs) Then um, picked out a couple here to read in, in particular. Heidi wrote, Walt's a jerk for trying to play the junior sympathy card with Hank and Marie. So I guess when, uh, he was at the, when they were at dinner and, he was telling Hank and Marie that Junior just found out that the cancer's back. And, uh, you know, think about what this would do to him. Uh, back to Heidi. And he's a bigger jerk for not realizing that Skylar's sad because she's lost her sister. Damn him. And um, Peter had just explained where that, where Jesse was at the dam. And so um, Heidi wrote damn, just D-A-M, which was <laughs> cute. 
Um, okay. Then Peter commented again, and he wrote, not sure the writers did this, but Hank could turn the tables back by pinning the whole thing on Skylar. She put Walt up to it with the chemistry so she wouldn't leave them with nothing. She was having an affair, affairs, he said. Uh, she met Gus through Jesse and brokered the deal. She bought the car wash as a money laundering operation. Recall she even researched on the internet, and it's trackable, how to launder money. Use this as a way to flip and get Walt. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting theory there. Well, also this week there were a bunch of articles that came out. One of them was really interesting, uh, written by Anna Gunn in the New York Times um, called I Have a Character Issue. I'm talking about all the, the Skylar hate. And there's a link to it on the in the Facebook group, and it, it should be easy to find. So I'm sure everybody's read it by now. Right? And, uh, and then there were a couple of other follow-ups to that. And there, there are links to those in the group also. Scott, telling us what's on next week on Breaking Lost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, beating that dead horse some more. Next week's episode will be called Whatever the Case May Be. When Walt finds out that Saul's been taking the hypothetical cases of each person he knows and pretty much bad-mouthing him the whole time, Saul then ends up in a Jesse-like predicament. Those suits may be flame retardant, but they're not acid resistant. <laughs> oh, God help me. <laughs> I think your reactions are to your own <laughs> articles is the most priceless part. This is, this is all a post one day on a Facebook page. <laughs> yep, and now you're being forced into servitude. Uh, Welcome to working for the month. <laughs> Sometimes when you watch talk shows, the funniest jokes are the ones that aren't funny at all. It's just how I'm just reacting to them. So that's what I'm hoping is the case with these things. <laughs> all right. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're just reading those because I enjoy them. So yeah, I, know. I know you like torturing. Them. <laughs> yeah, I like torturing all of you. So thanks a lot for playing along. <laughs> I'm not bad. Yeah, next week. <laughs> next week, the train job. Oh, God. God, no. Okay. <laughs> Moving oh, on, no. Kelly. <laughs> All right. So if any of you Breaking Baddicks also, uh, if any of you was, had to get the grammar right there, watching True Blood this past season, Susan and I will be recording the True Blood in 10 Season 6 review next week with Danielle of Nattercast and Michaela of the Chatterbox podcast. So if you have any comments or questions or anything you'd like us to cover, please get your feedback into us by next Thursday, September 5th. Oh, my God, already September. Um, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central. And uh, they can send those the comments to geekgirlsoup at gmail.com. Can they also voicemail? Yeah. Okay. 503-447. 6871 or on the Facebook group forward slash groups forward slash Geek Girl Soup. And also over the, the weekend, I was a guest on another podcast, the Watchers of Anarchy, and with uh, Brad, Tracy, and Courtney. And they did their the season six preview episode 
Uh, you can find them at watchersofanarchy.com or in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash watchersofanarchy. Geek on.